Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to Charlie Adams, David Green, Jordan Ferguson, Katie Maxwell, Kyle Michaud, Matthew Bang, and Pablo Corden for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we are watching The Secret of the Ghost Rig. Well, isn't that a big old truck? <laughs> really? <laughs> Two days to prepare for this recording and that's what you open on? <laughs> it, it's a substantially big truck. Okay. I, I feel that's important to note I and important like for the viewers to know. It's just a transport truck. It, well, they're quite large. Yeah. This isn't a special one in any way. Oh, well, oh, but it is, Amelia, for this one is also a ghost. Have you missed the point of Scooby-Doo up to this point? I don't think it's a ghost. I have yet to see the ending of this episode. I, <laughs> int I intend to watch it as it streams here in the background. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you have started off, Amelia? What, what would you have said to introduce this episode? I don't even know anymore. All I can think about is how big a truck it is. It's, it's a big truck on a little road. And uh, to my mind, at least, that presents a substantial hazard. At first glance in this episode... We have sort of, you know, a regular, a routine traffic stop. Some archy-looking kid is pulled over for speeding by a, a rather intimidating motorcycle cop. And then that motorcycle cop dies. Death counters moving on up. He, he doesn't. He doesn't die. We don't see what happens to him afterwards. We see him hanging off a cliff. He'll be able to pull himself up off of there. I want... Uh, I raise you. Do you think you can do a single pull-up? I also... Okay, so first of all, no. Well, then you wouldn't be pulling yourself up off that cliff. You think cops are at the peak of physical fitness? They, they at least have to run a test every now and then. To They have a physical fitness test, surely. <laughs> he, he looks young. He's like fresh out of the academy. This might be a peer of his he's pulling over. No, because the, the, the kid is like definitely a kid. I, I want to point out, though, this opening sequence. I don't understand why you're standing up for the police. Okay, I want you to understand, I'm not standing up for the police. I want to make sure our kill count meter is accurate. <laughs> so I want, you to, I want you to specify whether it is an implied death or a confirmed death. The first episode, I'm we had have... three confirmed deaths. I'm going to have a fuck the popo counter, too. All right. And it's going to be very large. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just going to be those words in a large font. <laughs> what I wanted to say, though, 
this we get lots of references in this series like lots of parodies lots of things that are overt homages is this beginning with the motorcycle cop coming up to the car and the transport coming through is this a reference to Nicolas Cage in The Wicker Man? Oh, I don't see them pulling from there. I feel like that might be an homage to the opening of Nicolas Cage in The Wicker Man. I feel like they need to be far more obvious about it. And what that is a reference that has to somehow end with the person yelling, not the bees. So if there had been a beehive on mm. that branch that that cop was clinging to, 100%. Or, but right mm. now, I think it's just a... What's more intimidating than a large truck barreling at someone who's not in a car? Right, and like what? And you the know, cop was off of his motorcycle. So it's, a, it's the size differential. It's like, look, the truck is big, the motorcycle is small... But not as small as, like, a bicycle, but with the air of authority of a police officer. So that's where it's like, whoa, this big truck is making a police officer swarm off the road. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> that's what they want the cold open to be. You know what it should have been? It should have been a, a cop on horseback. I think that would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> or on, like, a Segway. <laughs> Segway? I'm down with that. Horseback, I'd be more worried for the horse than the cop. I'm also now I'm a, I want I want to see this cop recur <laughs> with just continual Nicolas Cage references. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want I want not the bees. What's their premise, Billy? <laughs> well, it's a doozy. Well, couldn't you edit it for clarity? <laughs> nope. <laughs> the gang have to connect the dots between a ghost truck haunting a highway and the town's recently missing crystal doorknobs. During the investigation, the gang also have to contend with helping Mayor Jones get re-elected, and Daphne tries to keep her date with Rung Latterton a secret from Fred, who couldn't be happier for her when he does find out. That is the C-plot! You don't need to mention that in the yeah, premise write-up. Apparently you do. Well, how would you synopsize this? I would literally only mention the ghost we've been over this my synopsises are literally like the gang face off against x amount of ghosts <laughs> like, <laughs> so here the gang faces off against a ghostly trucker rig bam it's all you need i don't need to know that mayor jones is up for re-election I would I would cut the plot about re-election from the premise, but I would possibly keep Daphne and her date. Because those are at least plots that converge. Fred's dad getting re-elected, that's, that's background color. Making your son work for you to get re-elected. I, I didn't have issues. I don't have no issues with that. That wasn't problematic to me. You don't think Fred being forced to do something against his will is problematic? I, f I feel like if you're the mayor, the... Yeah, your son's going to help you out getting reelected. You could sort of expect that. I would expect my son to help me get reelected. I don't expect to be elected in the first place, but if I was already the incumbent, then you would make your son help you get reelected for the good of the town. Wow. <laughs> Billy's running like a dictatorship at mayoral level. <laughs> don't give white men power. Look what it's done to Billy. What it's done is made me eager to talk about the characters in this episode. 
So who would you like to start with? What a bad segue. Uh, Velmleth, because I have the least for her. Uh, I literally have two notes that I felt, uh, just to put something down for her. It is not a heavy Velma episode at all. Uh, was one of your notes that she has weird binocular thingies that are both old-timey but super modern spy-like? It wasn't, but that is very much in keeping with this series. Everything is like if style from the 60s never ended, and yet technology progressed. And look at their cell phones! They have click buttons! Um, my note for Velmud is... Velmud? <laughs> Did you just call her Velmud? Velmud. There is now a D at the end of her name. <laughs> well, it's still better than people that call her Thelma. <laughs> my note is that she said the phrase... Before you go code brown on us, implying that Shaggy and Scooby were about to shit themselves. I feel like this just, again, goes to show you that Velma shouldn't want a relationship with Shaggy. She's over in the corner being like, they shit themselves when they get too scared. Yeah. And yet she still wants to be with him. That's not something that would attract me to a partner. No. Being like, oh, oh, that guy over there who's... <laughs> Shitting himself? <laughs> Ooh, that gets me hot. Yeah, hands off, ladies. He's taken. <laughs> uh, my one other note for Velma is that she works very well with Freddy in this episode. Oh, is this when she's slotting some stone shapes together? Uh, it's just the fact that, like, Daphne isn't here for about a quarter of the mystery solving because she's waiting on a date. Right. But the rest of the gang are driving around in the van, so Velma gets to sit just right beside Freddy. And, oh no, they have good, like, working relationship. Right. You know what? That's a good point. And, and it's something that, you know, I mentioned in the last episode, the pairing of Daphne, Freddy, and Scooby. So here we're getting a Velma-Fred combination. They are going to efforts to make sure that the gang is broken up in different ways. That's admirable. Good for a character development-based series. But uh, Velma definitely got the short end of that stick this episode. Uh, moving on to the two uh, pants shitters, I guess. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy shenanigans. I guess just the one pants shitter, because Scooby doesn't wear pants. Yeah, so. you would have to wear pants to shit your pants. So, um, Scooby breaks the mayoral office's copy machine. That's going to be a fortune to repair. Those things are it big. Is. They're clunky. They require specifically one man on earth knows how to fix them. So you better book an appointment. Yeah, and I mean, and they blew the toner all through it. That toner is so hard to clean up. And if you got it on the inside of the machine, that whole machine now needs to be cleaned. Had to deal with my share of photocopiers. And it's not fun. This, so this... My, my solution to that, for the mayor, don't ask the dog to do it. Well, he didn't. The dog just assumed that the dog could get things done. More how, efficiently how than humans. How did he even wreck the toner? He wasn't opening the machine. He was just copying something. He put it into copy. He started bashing away on those buttons. And then it just uh, exploded. So, it's so it was probably just the weight of a Great Dane bashing down upon the front of it. 
Or, the, I could see that dislodging the toner. I don't know, the, the overload of all the buttons being pushed and the copier being like, I don't know how to do this with my toner. See, if you if you just press conflicting buttons, it's just going to be like, beep, beep, and then not do anything. In our world... It'll print out a sheet that was like, I couldn't do what you wanted. <laughs> In our world, yes. Maybe not here. You're saying the logic of a cartoon is slightly different than the office I currently work in? Yes. You haven't seen this office. I also have to deal with a heavy <laughs> industrial printer, or at least used to have to deal with it a lot more before yeah. the labels at the grocery store I work at went from paper to electronic. So I don't have to deal with the fucking thing very much anymore. But I did before. So there. All right. Okay. Here's a massive... So remember last week I said it was wrong to treat your dog to just, like, put leave him alone in the van? What, are you going to comment now that it's wrong to tattoo his tongue with pizza joints? Yes! That's terrible ownership. I, th I thought maybe. The only excuse there would be if somehow the toner from the photocopier exploded into Scooby's face, thus leaving a handy map of pizza joints on his tongue. But Shaggy specifically says that they've tattooed it on his tongue. Did he say they or did he said he, or did he say he? I think he just said that Scooby has it tattooed on his tongue. He didn't imply how the tattoo got there. Well, maybe a talking dog is enough consent to have things like tattoos done. I would still like to talk to the tattoo artist about his morals. Or hers. But if the dog's consenting to it... It still just seems wrong. <laughs> it, it, it just down to my bones, this seems wrong. I want to know why they don't already know where all the pizza joints are. That's the thing, it's a small town! Why do they need a map? It's a very small town. They walk every... Well, they go in the mystery machine, but they can walk everywhere. Uh, and we also get another chase sequence where Shaggy and Scooby are just hanging out at the back of the mystery machine with the back doors wide open. This this feels like something we've gotten more of in the modern era, where those doors just go a-poppin'. I don't know, I feel like that's always been a thing that happens. Well, we haven't had... You know, there weren't that many actual car chases in the classic era. Um, this episode has a fantastic car chase in that van. I would honestly say that this chase is on par with Mystery Mask Mix-Up. No, that's forever going to be the best car chase ever, because Fred gets that mystery machine from ground level to the top of a skyscraper. What? Okay, <laughs> they're, st they're still flying on rooftops in this episode, no, though. No, you need rooftops to do that. This they is, were on rooftops. This is a mountain road. There is a part in this episode, I swear, where they're flying on rooftops. It, and it may be coming up very soon. Okay, so here it is. They end up back in Crystal Cove. Fred decides to drive on a, a restaurant's patio. Here, look, they got sick air and flying on rooftops. That is a rooftop. This is all the same building. See? It's all the same building. It's only rooftop. <laughs> ha! I'm okay. still correct. Y you are 
Fuck you! You're gonna be a pedantic asshole, so can I! I would then say that this car chase is second to Mystery Max Mix-Up. Oh, maybe if you could ever say that title correctly? There is no one named Max in that episode. (laughs) It's, It's just, mask is such a hard word to say. They get chased by this truck three times. I think after the first time, they talk to the police about it. And uh, I have to ask, why do they let the dog make the statement to the police? It's like Sheriff Bronsonstone went up to the group, went right to Scooby and said, All right, tell me everything that happened. And like, I I feel like, you know, Daphne had a good view. Daphne wasn't there for the first attack. Okay, so she didn't have a good view. <laughs> no. <laughs> so maybe he shouldn't have gone to Daphne for her statement. Alma, Fred. I mean, okay, I can see maybe he asked Shaggy and Shaggy was incoherent. So he's like, oh, I'm asking the dog. <laughs> but yeah, Scooby gives some little sound charades about what happens. Again, very classic. I remember back in Where Are You? He was doing his little charades. But uh, again, he wasn't being interrogated by the police at the time. Uh, the Daphne Dilemma. We first see her this episode. She's humming the Scooby-Doo Where Are You theme to herself in her bedroom. <laughs> is it Where Are You or is it the, the next one over? Because I thought it was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that one sounds yeah. more familiar. Like the Scooby, Scooby-Doo. I was taking a lot of notes at the time. I just wrote down something that finished that note off. Right. Well, regardless, it's a nice little Easter egg to classic uh, Scooby history. It's classic Scooby in there somewhere. It's not the Thriller song. It's not what's new. Yeah. Because the Thriller... (laughs) If you hum that Scooby-Doo theme song, it really is just Thriller. She's just humming. She's not yeah. doing the mouth sound. Well, I don't hum. I know. I I I don't know what you would call that. Mouth I, sounds. I bobble. I scat. Get out. <laughs> He's finally officially admitted it. Get out. Um, Get da- out. I'm gonna stay. Daphne is humming that song while she packages a a lovely little custom ascot. That she's making for Fred. Made or just bought? Probably bought. It also looks exactly the same as his old one. Yes. I don't know. He's a man who knows what he likes. Okay. Just saying. I'm not trying to diminish from her gift or anything, but I don't know. She already has it tied. It's going to crinkle and shit. (laughs) Maybe that was just so it could be presented in in the proper ascot fashion. Like, he's not going to know what it is when he opens it if it's not already ascotted? Yeah, he's like, what is this, a scarf? <laughs> he's just going to, like, blow his nose on it or something? Yeah. So she's making that gift for Fred, but her parents are trying to set her up with a rich fuckboy. So they don't approve of Fred, and they're trying to get her connected to some other well-to-do family. Yes, because they're the worst. They're not, like, as aggressively doing it as some families. Mm -hmm. But they're just like, look, 
here are some options. Even the way they present it, they're like, why have a burger when you can have steak? To which Daphne replies, I don't even like meat. I like vegetables. Like Fred. <laughs> that is a sick burn. <laughs> like she, but also really loving. Yeah, she <laughs> likes Fred, right? That's what she's trying to say. <laughs> and this, this guy they try and set her up with, he treats her terribly. She eats 12 handfuls of finger fries while waiting for him. And You've worded that strangely. I mean, he didn't force her to eat all the... You're making it seem like her eating all those fries is like another human being being awful to her. Like it's a it was situation where she's she, being force-fed for gluttony. No, it, it was the amount of time she was waiting. So she's like, I'll have an order of fries while I wait for him to show up. Oh, I finished it. He's still not here. I guess I'll have an order of fries while I wait for him to show up. But no one's forcing her to eat the fries while she waits. No, but uh, you're right. It's not an issue of the number of fries she ate. It's the passage of time. He's, he practically stood her up. And I like that Daphne knows her own worth and uh, just knows this guy's shit. Good. Don't blame the fries for that. <laughs> I, I'm not. Bl I'm not blaming. Them. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing she ate that many fries. I'm saying it's a bad thing she had the time on her hands to eat that. Yeah, and then Dude Bro shows up, and she's on her main course. It's like a coffin of stew or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he's just like, "Oh, I'm starving. What did you order for me?" And then just took her food <laughs> from under yeah, her face and says, "Oh, you're not ordering anything for yourself." Uh, so when Fred shows up because they're being haunted again. She is just like, oh, I can't wait for you to tell me outside in the mystery machine, away from wrong, goodbye. Like, she's ditching this guy. Like, yeah. she just discovered he voted for Trump. Which like, he totally he, would Oh, have. he definitely would have. Because his family knows them. Yeah, like, Daphne didn't stay at that point because she thought he was coming. She stayed because even after 12 orders of fries, she's like, well, I'm gonna eat. And I like <laughs> this place. <laughs> Um, should we talk about Fred then? If you're done with Daphne. I, ha I have one more note for Daphne, but it very much ties into stuff with Fred. So I'm, I'm just going to hold off on it for a moment. Okay. Fred opens this episode uh, being very anxious because he's been called to his father's office and that never means a good thing. No. He, he fears he's in trouble because he's been down this road <laughs> before. Uh, turns out, though, you know, the dad just wants to force his son to free intern for him and make copies of brochures and shit to which fred says oh but politics are for adults yeah you he's know. what one year away from being <laughs> able to vote he's he's very much uh arrested development here <laughs> his defense you know kids are more into traps and solving mysteries no they're not <laughs> other than you know um a crippling fear of adulthood, this Fred is not perturbed by anything. No matter what spooks or scares, he, he's just a pleasant guy to be around. Even if people are, like, insulting him to his face, he's like, well, you have nice shoes, mister. <laughs> Kill him with kindness, Fred. Uh, speaking of kindness, they pick Daphne up after she has her, like, beef to vegetable talk with yeah. her parents and she's kind of distant and whatnot so he asks her if everything's okay at home and like that's a very 
That's a very personal question, actually. Mm-hmm. For someone who's played up as oblivious as this Fred Jones is, like, he, he still asks important friend questions. I mean, he, he has a level of distance with strangers with that, that pleasant front, but these, these are his best friends. He sees them all the same. <laughs> and, and Daphne's one of them, and he's going to really care. And also, you know, honestly, on, on a level of him being, like, a good kind of man, there is absolutely no jealousy in him when Daphne's on a date with another guy. He's, he's just like, oh, this is great. You're, you're meeting other people. You're, ha- you're living your best life. Uh, like, he literally answers her phone. He's like, hello, Daphne's phone, and yeah. <laughs> takes the date, and he's fine with it. Well, that's just only polite. Hello, <laughs> Daphne's phone. He doesn't want anyone calling her to think they have the wrong number. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason he has that phone in the first place is because he's taking a picture of the road, and he's saying the phone's low-res camera would brighten the contrast. It's, it's something that you can actually, like, take home with you if you have a mystery to solve and you have access to a 2010 phone you you can go home and use that where did fred get a shark the same place any 17 year old boy gets a shark billy the aquarium well it makes more sense than the desert god ask stupid questions <laughs> i just i don't you know I've had issues with Fred renting a boat before, so I think renting a shark requires a little more, a little more than that, even. He hasn't rented it. Oh, he bought it outright. No. He has taken it. Maybe he used his city hall resources to to request it. Trap building supersedes capitalism. If he needs something for a trap, he's just going to take it. Oh, he... He puts together a doozy of a trap in City Hall. It's got sharks. It's got a baseball mitt. It's got lasers. Uh, you're not going to mention the fact that he sets up a crossbow to fire at someone who whose crime is stealing doorknobs? <laughs> this is not a proportional execution of justice. He's not trying to take down a person. He's trying to take down a truck. I no. would say firing a crossbow at a at a big rig that is justified. Trap was set up to catch a person who was stealing doorknobs. The truck being in it, I think, was coincidental. Was the cro- well? Yeah, you're right because he drove the mystery machine into City Hall, and that's what lured the truck there. But when his dad got caught, that was just a person. Wow! Imagine how bad Fred would feel if he shot his dad with a crossbow. It's probably not the first time. He has a size 16 and a half neck size, and it swells to 19 when it's humid. That is a substantial swell. That is a two and a half inch swell on our boy's neck. It's very humid here in the summer. I've never had my neck swell. No, never. Like, do you think that's a thyroid issue? I don't want to get into Fred's thyroids, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Uh, I I do want to say he says this while talking to Rung Latterton. And Rung Latterton says he also has a 16 and a half inch neck size. But no, boy. There's no way. You do not have the same neck size as Fred. Fred's neck is thick. Fred is a fucking 
homegrown American hero. Yeah. Uh, He's been fed hormone-filled beef his entire life. Boy is thick. And he rocks an ascot. He trades with Rung at one point. So now Rung has got the orange one, and he takes Rung's, like, magenta one. Would you say magenta? I was I was going to be a basic bitch and just say purple. It's a pinky purple. It's very, it is very rich. Um, and we all know you're terrible at identifying colors. I am. Do you think that this color works with Fred's look? Everything works with Fred's look. It definitely makes him look more up to do. What? Like, I don't know, the purple. It's more of an expensive color. I'm up to do. I don't think that's an expression that you're trying so very hard to make it one. <laughs> um, I'm also just going to note that Fred did have a recommendation when Daphne went to dinner. He suggested that she gets the Vlad the Impaler cursed chicken and rice. It's to die. Adorable Fred recommending meals. Because they're going to the, the bloody steak, which you assume steak is in meat, but it's steak is in drive through a vampire's heart. Yes. That's why Daphne's eating finger fries and, I don't know, stew out of a coffin. Wait, was it? I, I, at this point, I'm thinking maybe she got the Vlad the Impaler cursed chicken and rice. Maybe. Oh, I remember the note I wanted to say for Daphne is that at the very end, she takes back Fred's ascot. She makes sure that no lesser man is wearing Fred's accoutrement. This is well after Fred says that he's going to defend his friends and make sure that nothing happens to them. Because you're all the same in my eyes. <laughs> That's good satire. It is. <laughs> it was a nice moment for Daphne being like, I wish I was a little more. Maybe you saw me as a girl. We're all good friends, buddy. <laughs> Moving on to the minor mentions, uh, we already mentioned how Sheriff Bronsonstone took Scooby's statement, and seemingly nobody else's, but he also sort of denies any other possibility of what's going on, just saying that it's a textbook ghost truck, case closed. Like, the case isn't closed. What is he gonna do to a ghost truck, Billy? You, you leave the case open, at least. You don't just say, go, you don't write ghost truck on the file, close it. Because closing a file is more than closing the physical folder. You're, you're doing extra paperwork to say that you're not working on this anymore. The case is closed. Yes. And then reopening it, that's a whole other form. Question uh, about Mayor Jones. Is he only the acting mayor of this town? Because at one point, I, I swear I heard him say he's the acting mayor. Is that just because it's the election cycle and technically no one's mayor until the election is held? He's the acting mayor because he was elected last time. I don't know. I always thought acting meant, like, you know, until the, uh, the, the real mayor shows up. Of all the characters to pay attention to, I do not pay attention to the fucking white politician that's full of himself. Okay. Oh, did you pay attention to Angel, who actually did show up in this episode? Uh, she calls Fred, calls him baby. She also looks up who uh, a specific brand of tires were sold to. So we're sort of understanding where Angel fits in with this gang. She's the one who sort of has these connections. 
as well as, you know, as we've said before, the emotional support for Fred. Uh, and then Mr. E, he sends the gang a CD, assuming Fred's ancient van has a CD player. Yeah, what would he do if there was just, like, an 8-track deck in there? Just an AM radio. I would argue that in the last episode, he took the engine out of the mystery machine. So that would have given him a good opportunity to look and and see what sort of tape deck he had in there. <laughs> what? His little, like, message, though. Crystal can't open doors like a diamond. That's not a thing. That's, that's not a riddle or anything. Anything can be a riddle, Billy. That's not clever. A riddle's gotta be clever. Mm-hmm. Bang one out for us right now, then, Mr. Clever Pants. The more you take away from me, the bigger I get. Does this have to do with what's happening in this episode? No. Well? But, I mean, Mr. E didn't have to do it right up on the spot, either. He clearly had time to record audio, burn a CD, and... Pop it in the mail. Well, how did they get that? It wasn't through the mail, officially. I think they just found it somewhere. It was in the menu. The CD was in the menu. So he had to get himself to that restaurant as well. Order, so it didn't look suspicious. He had lots of time to come up with a better riddle. I don't. I'm, re I'm recording a podcast right now. Good cover. I do like all the conspiracy stuff when mystery comes up. It's all... It all... I don't know, the, sh the show treats it very seriously. The angles, the intrigue. Maybe because we don't see mystery and it's just like close-ups on their faces. Alright, moving on from minor mentions to minor, minor mentions. Should we, should we call these ones major mentions? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Angel on the phone calling Fred baby doesn't feel major. True. Uh, there's the bad traffic cop and the kitty pulls over. He goes up to the kid and he says, you realize you were speeding, and uh, the kid says yes, and the cop is just like, well, all right, on your way. Doesn't even give him a warning. Just asks if he's aware <laughs> and sends him on his way. I don't even think this guy's a cop. I think he's just some sort of cosplayer. Uh, Rung Ladderton comes in. He's heir to the seventh largest regional ladder manufacturing fortune. And is this, like, the most stretch of a name we've had in, like, a really long time? Rung Ladderton? No one's ever going to be worse than Velma Dinkley, and you can't tell me otherwise, well, so... That, that, no, it'd be bad if she was like, hello, I'm Mystery Solver. <laughs> That's what Rung Ladderton feels like. Okay, well, we literally have a Mr. E in this series. Realized that, as I said it, really deflated my point. Rung's just an a-hole. Just a, a real uptight prick. Entitled. He's the type of frat boy that gets his girlfriend that is also wealthy, and he has to marry her, but then he also has affairs on the side, and when Daphne finds out, he would just be like, oh, forget about it, babe, and like throw a diamond necklace at her. Yeah, not caring about her as a human being at all. Like, he doesn't even listen. I don't think he listens to a single thing she says. Meanwhile, I'm Fred's so asking her how her home life is. Exactly. Yes. This Fred's beginning to grow on me. Rung Ladderton's out. Uh, then there's Mr. Avocados. That's Avocados! 
Uh, I'm not going to listen to a word the man says. Did you see the green suit he was wearing? (laughs) Awful. If if you don't want to be compared to an avocado, don't wear an avocado-colored suit. He's running against Mayor Jones, and one of his campaign promises is that there will never be a shortage of doorknobs. Yeah, a doorknob in every home. Just the one. Share it between all the doors. (laughs) So you better hope that your front door doesn't need to be locked at the same time you need to use the bathroom. Just carry it with you in your pocket, like that boy in bed knobs and broomsticks. Uh, Also, our first time seeing the sea captain at the Clam Shack. Yes, I actually went to Scoobypedia to look up his name. We didn't get his name yet, though. Okay, well then I won't say it. Just call him Clam Captain for now. Clam Captain. uh, That's also what I'm going to call him after I learn his name. (laughs) Uh, yeah, he, he runs the Clam Cabin, which is where Scooby and Shaggy wanted to go get a triple clam pizza. But he very ominously just, like, comes up to the window of the door and he's like, We don't have a doorknob! Go away! Yeah, he's trapped in the <laughs> clam shack until someone brings his doorknob back. I, this is not the way doors work, sir. The door, in fact, would open easier without the knob. It would be closing it. That would be difficult. Isn't that a whole comedy sitcom trope? One side of the doorknob knocks off and then you can't get out? It always happens in, like, a supply closet or some shit. Oh, I guess. I'm thinking of the whole knob mechanism, but you're right. He did only take the the knob portion. The outside doorknob. So I don't know. How long is he trapped in that clam shack? I don't know. He looks terrifying, though. In this episode, out of context, his nose is missing. So, like, so many scratches on his face as if his his nose was just, like, clawed off by something. And he has a little eye patch, but on his nose. His little nose patch, so you can't see the the viscera of what once was his navel cavity. A clam stole his nose. Ironic that he now runs the clam shack, that he has no fear another clam will take something else off him. We don't know that that's how it happened yet, though. Right now, he's just this scary-looking motherfucker in a small cabin he can't escape from. We know that that happened to him. He says himself, like the clan that stole me nose or something. Well, when? In a later episode? No, when he was yelling at the kids through the door. Oh. He was comparing his anger now to his anger then. I didn't remember this sea captain. I wouldn't have remembered that a clan took his nose off. Unless he had shouted it in this episode. So it was definitely here. Okay, I 100% believe you on that. I, for some reason, uh, I did write it down. I I just wasn't looking at that note at the time. This whole argument could have been avoided. It's not an argument. Because I know I'm 100% right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's just a dressing down. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. Uh, The villain of this episode... The titular ghost rig. Uh, it looks like a flaming truck, although as we later see, that's actually just sort of canvas that hangs off of the truck. And it, uh, it's just seen at night driving across these cliffside roads, uh, careening other drivers off the cliffs, I assume. It's driven by Rung Latterton, who is stealing doorknobs. Because Mr. Avocados's great-grandfather or something had a big yep. diamond that he needed to hide, so he disguised it as a crystal doorknob, 
And this place, I guess, is known for its crystal doorknobs. I also just want to point out, George Avocados, his, his father, was the former mayor and diamond thief. So a mayor who also has a criminal aspect to him. Interesting. So this, this doorknob stealing plan, do you think it's a, it's a feasible plan at all? No, it's very troublesome <laughs> to steal every doorknob. Why not just check to see if it's a crystal while it's a doorknob? Yeah, I mean, he's presumably going to check them all later. If you check them while they're on the door, even if it ends up sort of vandalizing some doorknobs, it's that's less labor-intensive for you than to have to actually, like, take them all in a big rig and drive them out of town. And why are you driving the big rig all over town anyways? Just stick that doorknob in your pocket and bring it to the truck. Only drive it the once. No, apparently there's so many doorknobs, he needs to take multiple trips. I, I still say a, a small car would suffice. How many no. doorknobs are you capable of getting in one night? Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, do private homes have the crystal doorknobs? It, it makes it seem like no every door in this town. No one's ever renovated their home to not have crystal doorknobs, and, like, those crystal doorknobs just ended up at the dump? Like, yeah. I can totally see someone have actually, like, redoing their, their business or their home, tossing away an actual diamond because they thought it was some sort of fake crystal. This is just getting fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So, very unfeasible plan. Rung Ladderton is us is doing this because he's just, his family's broke because they build ladders and you never have to replace a ladder. <laughs> Why doesn't he do what every other company in America does? Just make a shittier product. Maybe take your ladder company and turn it into a construction company. You already have the ladders. There's, there's so many, maybe levels. Level, I can see that, use as many of the same materials as a ladder. Build cages. Fred Jones will be a number one customer. Fred makes his own cages. Well, maybe if they were a commercially available cage manufacturer. No, he wouldn't trust them. He knows how to make a cage, Billy. He's he seems do to it. trust Ladderton <laughs> ladders. So I think on brand recognition alone, Fred might be a customer. Now, would he modify a cage once he bought it? Absolutely. But it still might save him some time. Terror scale? I, I don't find the ghost truck all that scary, especially when they get up close to it and they see it's, it's just a, a truck with, with some little tissue paper on the side. Um, I'm, I'm going to give a low mark to this ghost truck. I'm going to say a four. Uh, I just, I'm not partial to ghost trucks in general. I think any time I have to see a haunted vehicle, it's always, like, my least favorite episode of what I'm watching. Like, in the real Ghostbusters, I'm not super fond of when they end up on a haunted horse-drawn carriage or right. with uh, Casey Jones on the train. I don't know if that's the man's name. They end up on a haunted Ca train. It is Casey Jones. Supernaturals, one of its weaker first season episodes is the ghost car one, so I just skip it. Now, do you make an exception for if it is like the the protagonist's own car turned against them? Like when the mystery machine is evil, or in Supernatural when the Impala turns on them. If that's I'm sure that's an episode they've gone for forty years now. <laughs> 
In the very first episode, the Impala gets possessed by a ghost. <laughs> In the very first episode! Yeah, only very briefly, to run them off the bridge. I can't remember of any other specific episodes where it turns against them, but okay. again, I stopped watching season four, and apparently they've been going on for 11 more years. <laughs> Supernatural? That's been in the air for 40 years. The only haunted transportation that I truly love all the time is ghost ships. Yes. Because you don't want to be haunted by a ghost rig. Don't go onto the road where it haunts. The train? Are you kidding me? It's on fucking tracks. <laughs> yeah, uh, you see, a ship, a ship almost feels like a haunted house. It's a location where you are, not a method of transport. I wrote down the number five on my sheet, but that's... I, I had meant to make it much lower. What's below? The two is below the five on my keyboard. I'm pretty okay. sure I meant to hit the two and not the five. Okay, yeah, I can give you that. Um, and that's for uh, just the decoration he puts on his big rig. I like the cobwebs, and I like that he's smeared the tires with, like, phosphorus so that they... They set on fire. And and you know what? If you were to take this truck through your local parade, that would be great. But I, for me, it doesn't work as a standalone ghost. Which I think is fair. Last episode was very horror-centric. So this episode, more on mystery, less on the actual scares. Although I want to say general thoughts or feelings, they have yet to figure out who the guy is under the mask. Like, the creeping gator ghouls were very, very obvious. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. There was, like, no mystery in the last episode. It was just horror. But, like, episode one with... Oh, my God. I've already forgotten. Uh, mystery one with the slime mutant. They thought for sure that it was the clown man, and mm -hmm. it wasn't. They didn't even suspect the teacher. And then here, they thought... That it was uh, Mr. Avocados going after his family's stolen diamond, but it's Rung Ladderton. So that, this it is... doesn't occur to them at all of who's under... Like, they go for the red herrings every single this time. This is two times they've been on the red herrings trail. Even Velma. Velma's just as shocked as the rest of them. I mean, it could be showing that they are very young mystery solvers still and not very good at it. I might argue they're not very good at it in any of their iterations. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, oh, just uh, wh while we're sort of near the villain, uh, I do have a note here that I think this episode is. Well, okay, I read on Scoobypedia that this episode is a reference to Duel, uh, a 1971 movie about a big rig truck chasing a little guy. I haven't seen it, but there are some good car chases in there. The, the truck actually looked scarier there, probably because it was live action in the 70s, and the only way to do that would be have a large truck careening at the camera. I'm not ever going to watch that movie. Though. I don't think I will either. Okay, good. You sounded like you wanted to watch it, and I will not watch a 70s movie. <laughs> that decade is dead to you. Note on the music again for this week. God, the music is just so fucking good. It very strongly sounds like the Halloween theme in this episode. They're being chased by that truck, and there's a very, like, Didn't need three bars of that, but okay. I tried to get off at the second bar, but I just kept going. 
Well, then all that's left to say is our next episode is going to be Revenge of the Man Crab. Uh, if we all know what it's going to be. I don't! This is all new to me because of my terrible memory. I'm just going to hope we see more of the sea captain in this episode. Is this a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? Can you remember your opinions on that? I, I can remember my opinions on this. I Although I think, you know, the villain is very weak, I would still say this is a Scooby-Doo. Daphne and Fred's B-plot, very strong. Don't think I'll give this one an absolutely by any means, and, and it's weaker than the last episode, but it's still a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's a Scooby-Doo. Pretty sure every episode in this series yes. will be a Scooby-Doo. It's gonna be hard to not do them all. It has character development, and it has more mystery solving, I think, than the last episode, where a big chunk of that was just dedicated to spooky sequences. For sure. And, uh, it's just, it's a fun time. Watch it, listeners. Watch the show. Listen to our podcasts. Reach out to us online. I can be found on Twitter at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dues. You can also stream all our older episodes on YouTube or Tumblr, depending on your preference. Uh, we have a Patreon and a Kofi page if you want to toss us a few bucks. If you enjoy what we do, and Billy put a plural on podcasts. So I guess he wants me to also tell you that he does one called Film Runners. I I didn't mean to put a plural. <laughs> uh, if you listen to many of the words in this episode, I have trouble speaking. <laughs> well. I'm going to plug your video series. How about that? Listeners, to... go on YouTube and look up Fatal Amelia there. She's done some damn good shit. Yeah. Yeah. So take that. I love and support you. Yeah, notice how you complimented what I was doing on Fatal Amelia's YouTube page, but not, I didn't compliment you what you were doing on Film Runners. I know. <laughs> and on that note... That's it from Scooby-Dooby Us. The Scooby-Dooby-Oo!